Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Life in the Pit, episode 18. Uh, it's good to be with you once again. Uh, just a reminder to new listeners, um, this podcast releases a new episode every Friday morning, and we talk to musicians about their experiences with the pit. Sometimes we go a little outside that topic, but uh, somehow or another it always connects to the pit one way or another. I uh, just want to also remind you, if you enjoy this podcast, uh, it would be most helpful if you would share the episodes. And also, if you just take a moment and just give us a, a brief review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, and uh, if you listen to it on another app that allows you to review, uh, that would be helpful as well. Every little thing just kind of increases the footprint and the visibility, and so that new people can find this podcast, and it just uh, helps us to keep going. So thank you once again. Um, before I go on with today's guest, um, I just want to go ahead. I just felt led to say, um, you know, it's been a down week for me in in terms of just mood in, in the big picture, you know, just looking at society the way it is right now and how COVID has changed just about everything. And, um, you know, I'm feeling a little bit better now, but, it, but earlier this week uh, was not the case. I didn't really feel like doing much of anything other than what I had to do. And I know some of you, especially I've, I've read some of your posts on social media. It's tough right now, uh, especially when performance is such a large percentage of your income. And, uh, you know, the future is unknown. Um, so I guess I just wanted to be a voice to just say, you know, it's okay to not be okay right now. It's okay to feel uh, sad. It's okay to feel depressed. You're not alone. Um, but, you know, just go ahead, you know, be honest with yourself, be honest with your feelings. And, you know, there are better days ahead. I don't know how soon. But, um, you know, we'll all get through this together. And, uh, you know, just if you need to share your experience, you know, that's uh, I want you to feel like you can comment on the show, but you can also leave me a comment if you just if you're in this industry, um, a musician and you just need to talk about how things are right now and, and how difficult it is. Uh, it's something I'll be happy to listen. I'll be happy to share it if you want. OK, today's episode is the first of a trilogy. I've talked to some players in the past that are multi-read players, and I wanted to talk to individuals who play one type of woodwind instrument. Uh, now, some of the guests I'm talking to play more than one, but they all kind of tend to focus on one. So this week, we're going to be talking to Dr. Tika Douthat, primarily about the flutes. Tika studied at Appalachian State University. Uh, along with the University of North Carolina School of the Arts, uh, before finally getting his doctorate at University of North Carolina at Greensboro. He is the principal flute player for the Piedmont Wind Symphony, an adjunct professor at Forsyth Tech College, and an assistant professor at Winston-Salem State University. 
So without further delay, here is my interview with Tika Douthit. It's my pleasure today to be talking to Tika Douthit. Tika, thank you for taking time to, uh, to talk to me today. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It's really an honor. So you're part of a trilogy of guests that I have. Um, not that you only play one instrument, but you have one instrument that you typically specialize in. Um, you know, in, in the pit, I've talked to some reed players, some, some people who are kind of known for getting hired to play a book full of multiple instruments. But when there's a show that requires just flute or just clarinet or just oboe, there's a, there's a few players in the area that tend to get called more for those particular books. And I think you tend to get called for the flute books. Yes. Yes, yes that's true. Um, and, it, you know, there's a way it just depends on the wave of, of performances. Um, a lot of times theater companies were, are wanting to approach more complicated works, I guess, with more intricate orchestration, I believe, is why those parts end up being lifted out of those multiple instrument books and into those more stylistically like orchestral orchestrations. Right. Um, so. I think that's when I generally get those opportunities. But then, you know, there are tons of shows with um, books with multiple parts for the read players. And so it seems like there's been just a wave of those lately uh, right. because I haven't really had as many uh, opportunities here lately. Lately, I've been getting a lot more uh, orchestral sub types of things and playing with Piedmont Wind Symphony and doing more chamber work. So. Right. I think that's the nature of, well, you know, I mean, it's a sad but true that I would say the average theater is spending less per production. You know, it's like their mm -hmm. their budgets are down. And, you know, one things that these licensing companies like MTI and uh, Samuel French and some of the others have, have figured out over the years is that if they put multiple woodwinds in one book and get one player, it's cheaper for the theaters than hiring, say, three players, you know, to do the same thing. Absolutely. So it's good for those who play all those instruments. It's not as good for some of the others. But uh, I want to come back to that. Let's backtrack. Um, when did you start with music and was flute your first instrument or did you start elsewhere? Well, um, I guess I started messing around with music around seven or eight years old. Um, my family had an old electric, like upright pipe organ kind of instrument in the house. Um, I don't even know what that thing would have been called in our in current times, <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was just a little, you could plug it up and it had about eight different sounds on it. And I used to play around with that um, because it was in the house. And then, so I guess around eight or nine, I got a keyboard and I started to play around with that. And I got a few piano lessons, um, but I was having that, that dissonance that I don't, I guess some people may experience with piano where I was hearing it this way and was, and was adapting to what I was doing with my ear, but would go in piano lessons and would get frustrated because it was very tedious, very slow process. And then I wasn't very good at both hands doing different things. Um, so piano was one of those instruments that really took a lot of practice and um, required a lot of attention from me. And I just didn't want to give it to piano very much. Uh, but then we started these programs um, here in Winston-Salem. It was the uh, summer enrichment program. I was a rising fifth grader 
and I had an experience with that program in the summer um, and I played flute there and it was a beginning band class, rising fifth graders. And then I did that same class again the next summer as a rising sixth grader. So by the time I'd gotten to sixth grade beginning band, I had been through beginning band twice already. Right. And and so that was just kind of the challenge. And, and at that time, my parents didn't know anything about flute lessons. Uh, so that wasn't even on the table uh, for me to advance beyond what we were doing in school. So I was just kind of on this sort of repeat mode for a little while. Um, but that was that was OK. I just enjoyed uh, playing. I enjoyed the experience of band. I, I enjoyed the performances, the concerts, even though they were terrible at that level. Um, <laughs> it was it was fun to be in a group and to have a special event, special occasion and, and to perform. And so that's kind of where I started here here in Forsyth County Schools with our um, summer enrichment program that they used to host at Mount Tabor High School. Oh, great. Um now, one thing about flute, and, and I've said this about all the other woodwinds as well, it seems like, um, you know, there's some instruments in the orchestra, like, you know, I mean, a violin player doesn't have to play any other instrument. They might pick up viola just because it's pretty good. Uh, they might pick up cello, but I think it's a little bit more rare. But um, most people who play flute don't just play the flute, but they play piccolo flute, alto flute, bass flute, or, you know, whatever. I, I, I would, I'd say most of them play piccolo maybe kind of decreasing odds on some of the others depending on their access to the instruments and all that but what are uh, let's just list what are the flute instruments that you play and and when did you pick up those beyond the standard flute well actually uh, i play all the flutes um I have been very fortunate to have a lot of flute choir experience even going back to undergraduate uh, experiences at Appalachian State University, Dr. Nancy Shanelak Bingham. I've always been exposed to flute choir music in every degree. And um, so there at Appalachian, again, uh, you know, today Okwelia was very big on flute ensemble music. I spent a lot of time on C flute there though, um, but I was exposed to playing alto flute occasionally, bass flute a little, a little bit. And then after that, uh, UNCG also had a flute choir that I would participate in and conduct a little bit. Um, and then, of course, here in Winston-Salem, we have a community group called Flutes on Fourth, mm -hmm. who has been performing, you know, various uh, arrangements of flute works and have done concerts locally. And uh, and that group has been pretty awesome because we actually have a contrabass flute player, uh, you know, Brian Blausch, he's very, very good uh, on all the woodwinds. And so he comes to our flute choir and plays contrabass. So we've you know, I've had the opportunity to play lots of good flute choir music with that group as well. And then I also have started an ensemble at Winston-Salem State and was fortunate enough to have some grants written and also just be gifted a couple of instruments. So we have two alto flutes and a bass flute at Winston-Salem State University for our flute ensemble there. And uh, really excited about that because we've got some pretty good players. Uh, but I guess my first experiences on alto and bass, you know, they've been cursory in undergraduate experience. And I guess I took it a lot more seriously as I got into the flutes on fourth group and that the instruments became available on a regular basis. Fun, funny thing, I was playing in a commercial band also starting in around 2015. 
And I used to use alto flute a lot in that commercial band settings for neo soul music. So I've been learning a little bit more about the alto flute voice and just different ways that it can be used commercially. And that's been a lot of fun too. So um, I guess I would say I, I definitely play tons of C flute and piccolo all the time. And then I'm playing a little bit more alto flute just because of that opportunity. Right. Um, not as much bass, but I play it often with the students. So because we have one at the school, so. Right. Yeah, you mentioned Brian, uh, a contrabass flute. Brian was our guest on episode eight, and oh, awesome. uh, yeah. So we, in fact, he was. Uh, he's well. He's been the only conversation we've had about just kind of in depth of the multiple reads, you know, that that mm-hmm. go on. But uh, so, do you play? Uh, do you play other instruments besides the flute? Like, uh, are are there other instruments in the woodwind family that uh, you play besides? I'm just gonna say no to that. Right. And and there's a very good reason, you know, I, of course, as a band director, you know, we can fiddle around on a, on a lot of things. Right. You know, um, but as far as like actually performing and wanting to receive money for, I don't think it's a good thing for me to play other instruments. Right. And and I and I get a lot of it, but I don't get all of it. And so uh, right. I had an experience this last year. Um, a funny thing happened on the way to the forum and I was playing that show with Anita Serba and um, Kania Mills mm-hmm. and Rob Frazier was the director. And I, and, you know, everybody kept saying, yeah, let's, let's, let's try out this clarinet. You can do it. You know, a lot of people were very encouraging. You can do the clarinet parts, you can do it. And so I was like, okay, let's try it. And so I tried it, accepted, I accepted the gig and practiced the parts and it seemed like it would be okay and then got into the heat of the moment and it just seemed like every time I needed to play something it squeaked right and and it was just the most hysterical thing and so um (laughs) I just couldn't get control of the instrument I couldn't get control of it so uh, and then you know it was so funny like the whole pit was just cracking up it was more of a distraction than lending to the show so I, I felt like that was my my chance at it. You know, I had several opportunities with that show, with rehearsals and performances to try to get that thing better. And I just don't think it's for me. But it was a it was really a funny experience. Um, I was grateful to have had a chance to work with Rob Frazier once again, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so it was really a delightful show. So it, it, all in all, it worked out. But, you know, and I learned what to stay away from what to pass over to Kania so she could play right. <laughs> if, she, if it was important and just work through that. But yeah, I don't think I want to take any more jobs like that. It's just too stressful. You know, there's plenty of work, but yes, I would like to play more musical theater work, uh, but I'm not at the expense of, of, you know, the integrity of the, of the show. And, um, you know, and I really enjoy the flute so much like I really do enjoy the beauty of the lines that we often get to play and you know and that's just where I think I'm best used right best needed well I think that's a that's an admirable perspective uh you know sometimes you ask people how many like how many instruments do they play and everybody might have a different answer depending on what they classify as play <laughs> you know it's like I've I've told people before so like I can play everything in the orchestra if it's a not quite in tune version of happy birthday that I'm playing, it's like, I can pick everything up and, and go through it. I've taken all the method courses in college. I've experimented with stuff right. myself. 
I said, now, if you want to put me in like a second year band or third year band program, well, we just dropped all the woodwinds. <laughs> uh, may, I might I might be able to keep bassoon. I kind of had a, a pretty good grasp on that. But uh, I'm, I'm able to go to all the brass now in the percussion. Now, you get to high school, we, ju- we dropped the bassoon, and we mm. dropped the tuba, and we probably dropped... Mm the trombone you know so there's a few brass left and there's the percussion and the keyboard and then as you get kind of up you just drop more and more until you say now what would i be paid for well i used to accept gigs on french horn but uh i I wasn't using that so i sold that off so that's not even an option anymore so for me it's it's got to have keys (laughs) right that's where i am you know and uh, and that's fine you know because I mean, there's plenty of gigs for keyboardists and there's also, you know, that is, that's not even how I promote myself. I'm music director, but I'm also composer and arranger. So it's, Mm -hmm. I think it's admirable to kind of, to set boundaries for yourself of like professionally where you are. And, um, you know, there are a lot of other people that, you know, they'll take a book and maybe one of the instruments they don't play so well, they'll, they'll do the best they can with that. Or, Sometimes they'll, in theater, if it's not overly demanding, they may say, I know it says it calls for oboe, but I'm going to play it on clarinet, <laughs> you know, or something like that. That happens. I think that actually happens quite a bit. A lot of times you have oboe parts, like optional books that include them for clarinet. Some of the publications mm-hmm. come out like that. Well, I believe in the gift of limitations. You know, our limitations are a gift to ourselves, but also gifts to other people. You know what I mean? And so what I am given and what is for me will be a pleasant and beautiful experience. Right. You know, and what I try to overdo or overstep, it's, it's terrible. You know, it's, it's a stressful, terrible situation. Yeah. There's a, there was a book that I read a couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago. It's called finish by, I want to say it was, I have to double check. I feel like John Acuff was the author's name, but I'll, I'll double check that. But it's called Finish. And it was uh, like, give yourself the gift of done, I think was it was what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. But he brought up a concept called, I believe, the bomb list or the suck list. I can't remember which one it was. But it's like, uh, so, you, so that you can help yourself focus, write down some things that you're going to be bad at or mediocre at. So, you know, one of the things he wrote wrote down is just um goes i absolutely suck at keeping up with current television shows goes like i've never seen the walking dead uh i have never seen game of thrones i was like i can't tell you so in a conversation i'm gonna lose style points because i don't know that goes but that's okay because i have that time for other things and and it's like any time that you're not practicing flute uh, well, I should say any time that you're spending on another instrument is time you're not practicing flute, you know, so that's Correct. one way of thinking about it. Well, but you have played flute for theater. When did you get started in theater? And um, do you remember what uh, what your show was and how old you were? Absolutely. Uh, my first show was The Pajama Game um, at Appalachian State. I think the next one after that, was Don Quixote and I was just hooked after that that was just like OMG I want to do this all the time Uh, I'm just just Um, checking you mean Man of La Mancha which based on Don Quixote yeah yeah Yeah, that's my bad Man of La Mancha you got the book right yeah yeah second that was my second show it must have been in the 
the late mid nineties, probably ninety six or ninety seven. Right, was the first time I played a show. So, um, and then I got to do a few more at School of the Arts. I can remember doing um, Hansel and Gretel too. Having the opera experience at School of the Arts was also just really uh, breathtaking for me and right. really broadened my aesthetic a little bit. And so I just was always interested in, in that combination. Right. And um, so, but it's been at least since the mid nineties was the first, first time I played a show. Right. And I got a ton of work um, while I was at school at UNCG too. Lots of the local theaters at that point. And then I've also played for several years with the black rep company here in Winston-Salem. Right. Yeah. And, and I see you with local theaters. I mean, I don't know how, how much I've seen in the last year or two, but I've seen you quite a bit, uh, you know, like post some other things. Yeah. I had a slew of, of theater work between 2015 and 2017 was like the last large run of work, but I had, um, pretty consistent number of gigs, gigs, I would say between like 2007 and 2010, because I was in school at UNCG doing the DMA there. And I was mm-hmm. getting a lot of the uh, community theater, Greensboro gigs, the high point theater gigs uh, at that point. So those things were coming in. And so I got a chance to work with a lot of directors music directors that were UNCG graduates, which is one of the reasons why I was able to get a lot of that work back then too, I think. Right. Uh, so, so you said, you know, you love theater and opera. So what specifically is it about it that you love playing? Like, like even distinctly from standard orchestral and wind ensemble music. I love singers, man. Yeah. I love the beauty of singing and I love um, being interwoven with that voice. So any any music that that involves a singer, um, I just feel it differently than right. a lot of the instrumental music that I get to play. Not to say that I don't feel the instrumental music, um, but I think sometimes there's just this amazing passion that vocalists get to deliver with the addition of that that text and that deeper meaning. And I just enjoy that so much, just the way um, I can emote. I can feel it emotionally. A lot of things I play, I don't always feel. I don't know if you experience that. Right. We work We work so much that we don't always enjoy it the same ways that we used to when we started. And so a lot of times, though, for me, when there, there's a great singer involved or a group of singers involved, it, it takes the experience to another level. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a great reason. Uh, you did, I mean, one thing that I think is different about, especially theater music, probably opera to an extent, but I kind of say like, if you play, say a Beethoven symphony, it's pretty much you're on the interstate going 65, 70, and it just, you just continue. You could almost fall asleep <laughs> because it just mm-hmm. keeps on going. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, being in the theater is kind of like, uh, you're in a traffic jam and then you get to go fast and then you got a detour and then, then you got another traffic jam or uh but then you can go fast again so and it's one of those it's kind of like a it's like a roller coaster in a way it's like it's it's a ride moment mm-hmm. where you're just not sure you know i mean until you get used to the show the it's everything's a bit of a surprise mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i was thinking about when did uh 
the first time I heard your name was during the year that I taught at Forsyth Tech. So I was there. I basically, oh. I created their choral program, uh, which mm-hmm. was, you know, I, I think I had as many as nine in the first semester. And, you know, I thought, well, okay, it was, can only go up from here. But well, no, I had seven the second semester. And I think we mm-hmm. we started off with eight and then one dropped out and, and that was, um, I don't know, just for various reasons. I, I also taught, uh, it was like jazz music appreciation. And, um, you know, it was, it was an eye-opening experience. And, and I just said, there are teachers that are great for this. I'm not one of them. <laughs> so I dropped it after one year. And I went back to, you know, just teaching privately and doing my other things. But you've been at Forsyth Tech for a while. And uh, you've also, you do a lot of other teaching. So just... Where, where are some of the places you teach, and uh, how did you get into it, and uh, what do you enjoy about it? At the moment, I am an assistant professor of music. I teach music business classes, and I'm an assistant band director at Winston-Salem State mm-hmm. and flute instructor there. Mm-hmm. Um, I teach now primarily online at Forsyth Tech since I've gone full-time at Winston-Salem State, but I was an adjunct for many years. I started adjuncting at Winston-Salem State in 2003, and I was still teaching public school at that time. I was a middle school band director uh, for many years at Philo Middle School. And uh, around 2005, I left public school to start my doctorate degree. And so I was just adjuncting then. So I guess it was probably around 2012 or 11. I tried to apply to Forsyth Tech, but I guess they were full. And then I got a call, I guess it was 2013, to come on and teach as an adjunct there. And so I've been doing that, um, teaching music appreciation classes very similar to you, and uh, working out the technology pieces that go along with the music appreciation. Right. Uh, So that kind of actually led to another little side thing that I do. I'm a digital faculty consultant for McGraw-Hill Texts, and I work with faculty across... Uh, the nation a little bit to help them get integrated into that music appreciation product that they use. Um, But I use that there and at Winston-Salem State. I also teach gen ed classes at Winston-Salem. I did a bit of adjuncting at Catawba College recently. I was working with their flutes, um, but just my schedule would not allow me to continue doing that, um, to go down there weekly and teach on top of what responsibilities that I have here band is pretty pretty demanding and pretty year-round and so we have lots of events that we have to coordinate so it makes it a little bit more difficult now for me to work at various schools um so that's why i primarily do the online thing with forsyth tech and i know your experience there because when i was there at forsyth tech i also attempted to try to build an instrumental program because i thought you know with the early college students there there certainly was a need for there to be some continuing of their musical experiences in education. Um, but because of the way that the program is designed, the various buildings and locations, the lack of transportation possible, um, it was just not possible to really create and sustain the program there. We had very few students that wanted to participate. Uh, many people had been coming back from taking time off from playing. And, you know, we had some strings and a few winds. So it was a weird instrumentation. I tried to make it an orchestra because we did have strings. It was it was just a very big struggle to try to pull that program together. And but we did have a couple of successful concerts because I merged them with our small orchestra at WSSU, which actually worked out pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so we did that and, and proved to be a pretty great uh, recruitment tool because those students from Forsyth Tech that were seeking music education beyond that, you know, we, we had what they needed at our school. So that was very effective, but uh, budget cuts and things over the last couple of years have led to them only doing drama, I believe is the program that they're right. working for, towards now. So I think they um, ended the band and the choral program there. Right. But they were they had a show choir for a while. That little choral program turned into a little show choir. And we had like a couple of spring arts festivaly concert kinds of situations. So that the show choir would perform, the orchestra would do their little thing, the kids from WSSU would come over and they would play and we would have our concert at Forsyth Tech. Um the drama would do a few scenes. The visual art students would put their work on display for everyone to be able to see. And so we had a couple of those uh, and it was really nice, but for some reason the state couldn't justify the funding because the numbers were always very low in those classes. And a lot of kids would come and play and not even register for the classes. So it was just frustrating after a while. Right, that instrumental ensemble, that is the context that I that I heard. Cause I, you know, I had the, the staff email i got the staff emails for a while and and i and i got that from you and i was like i was just i didn't i hadn't met you yet and i was just thinking uh i know what kind of trouble i'm going through with this you know the struggle with the choral uh ensemble i can't imagine trying to get a bunch of different instruments together and you know the thing i i mean there are several reasons why i didn't continue you know one one was i i quickly figured out they kept asking me to add classes but they rejected, you know, I mean, they didn't even acknowledge any application for doing it full time, you know, so like if there'd be a full time opening, in fact, there was one, never even got told that they received it, but they'd keep giving part time classes and those part time classes, you know, at some point you start realizing actually mathematically this is, uh, this is keeping me from doing some other things that pay a little bit better. And, and, and they also, the other thing is, is like, and I think I feel like everyone should hear this, you know, for the benefit of those who don't know about adjunct professors. But uh, at least in this case, you get paid for the time you're in the class. You don't get paid for the time you have to prepare or the time you have to grade right. tests or something like right. that. So, I mean, I figured out for every hour I was there, I was spending three more hours, <laughs> you know, on a, on a good week uh, of trying to do things for that class. So, um, yeah, I just couldn't really imagine <laughs> you know just putting putting together something like that but um mm -hmm. yeah, yeah and as, also i guess there's a way that i've matured uh emotionally as i've gone on because i think when i was in my late well or even early 20s i would leave an organization and i would kind of secretly hope they don't do as well after i leave that way i look good <laughs> you know uh but i've reached a point i'm just i'm genuinely happy to hear that they had that show choir for a while and then what i started got you know improved after i left and so forth i'm glad i was able to plant a seed you know that was able to grow from there so so you, you talked about being a digital uh faculty consultant what are, are there any other like special projects you've done as an educator or performer Right now, I'm just kind of getting into the job more. Uh, I've been doing um, some search committee work. I've been doing some other committee work in the university. Uh, so that too can be a little time consuming. 
And right now I'm on one particular committee for QEP, which is dealing specifically around that music appreciation course. So we're just trying to work towards um, improving student success in those cl those classes. Uh, but it's a specialized committee working towards doing that. Um, also, let's see, other special projects right now. I, I am, but well, before COVID, I was starting a new commercial band project. So um, hopefully we'll be able to resume that safely. Um, but as far as like special projects, a lot of things just sort of got put on hold due to the pandemic. Right. Uh, and I've really just kind of been immersed in making that transition to full online teaching, which is what we had to do in the spring. And then I've also been teaching summer classes this summer in addition to doing the search committee work. Right now, I'm just kind of gearing up for band. I really haven't done a lot of special projects. I've just been sort of busy this summer, so I haven't really engaged in some of the other things that are going on. I know that NFA has done some things and a few other organizations are doing some things, um, particularly in response to uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. And um, I just have not. I've really kind of sat back this time and watched a little bit paid attention to the news and sort of seen the things that have gone on. So, um, and then been listening to music that I want to listen to, play what I want to play. You know, I've been making a video or, or two here and there, just having fun, mm -hmm. um, trying to work through the digital stress. And, you know, but as far as performing, I'm actually right now uh, just started rehearsing for The Wiz with Royal Curtain Drama Guild. So this is gonna be the first in-person thing that I've done since COVID on this scale. I did get to play on a chamber music uh, concert a few weeks back with Laura Stevens mm -hmm. that Bill Stevens was hosting from Ovation Sound. That was really fun. Uh, I got to play a Zoom birthday party a few weeks back. Um, and I also unfortunately did get to play a funeral, mm -hmm. um, which was, a very interesting situation at the, the the unique request of the deceased in fact um so you know i've had a little bit of work during this covid uh season i guess we could call it but um really excited about still having some things to do so i've been playing um even though not so focusedly like you know not so much with this intentional goal behind it but just sort of existing and being and it's been kind of nice honestly to not have had my nose to the grindstone in that way and it was it's allowed me to kind of step back and take a look at what is it that i do really care about you know mm -hmm. what is it that i really do want to do as an artist as a flute player what is really important to me and what what am i trying to say and so it's just kind of given me a chance to step back and and try to feel out what the next thing is. I really do believe I'm uh, right there at that moment, right before the next thing. So I'm just trying to right. wait and see what that is because I can feel something coming, like something significant coming, so. Uh, now, uh, you're talking about The Wiz. Where is where's Royal Curtain Drama? Where are they located? Well, they're actually gonna be performing at Salem Chapel, which is the, um, old Arts Council Theater over there on Coliseum Drive. Right. It's the space that, that we're rehearsing and using for performances. Um, and I believe they're, you know, everything is socially distanced in place. Um, 
everything that's happening, everyone's got masks, you know, right. everybody's being very conscious and mm -hmm. um, doing their best to pay attention. And it looks like they're able to um, sell a reduced number of tickets for the theater seating. Right. So it, it looks like it may work out, you know, right. we're opening up schools, we're opening up all these other things. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I was, um, I, I think the, the starting point for the question about special projects is uh, one of the first times that outside of Forsyth Tech that I heard you, we, you were, we were emailing for, I guess maybe a week or two about the possibility of me composing, I think it was like a, a medley of spirituals for, for flute and piano, I think was the combination. And, oh, and I feel like that yeah. was, that was through one of your employers, but I, I, I think there was some budget, there was some kind of red tape that, you know, it just didn't, it didn't, fought, you know, happen, which, you know, I mean, that, I, I was fresh off Forsyth Tech, I knew about red tape, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But yeah, I didn't know if you had any things like that that you've done over the years, you know, just kind of with like with new mu music and, um, you know, and you said, of course, like with Black Lives Matter and um, and also, you know, the Black Rep Company, you know, just any special projects that you've done uh, active in that regard. Um, no, not really, uh, to be quite honest. We did perform an African-American composition with the uh, Stevenses in the Chamber Series. Uh, we did a flute and oboe duo, but we played it with two flutes. That was by African-American composer, but I haven't really um, done anything intentional towards the movement. Um, my work with Black Rep has been primarily through the show Black Nativity and the different things that have kind of spun off from that. So um, just different things relating we may have taken pieces and parts of that show out into the community right. um, over the years. And so that pretty much has been it. Uh, and then that that work leads to other work. You know, people see you, so you get connected to other things. But um, I think I just pretty much live the standard, you know, musician life. I kind of teach more now. Uh, I Of course, I'd rather be playing more. Right. But... Uh, it just all kind of depends on the opportunities that present themselves in this area for a person such as myself. So I just kind of wait on those moments to come. Those are usually very successful and um, allow those, those opportunities to lead to other opportunities. If it gets too dry, too long, of course, we start finding ways to inspire ourselves or to get ourselves in the way of other work that we might want to be a part of. But I think it's important to also just be aware of, you know, those opportunities that seek us out and that are good for us, not just sort of throwing ourselves into anything. Um, and then there are a lot of good flute players here. That's one of the things about being mm -hmm. in Winston-Salem, um, School of the Arts, you know, there are a lot of good ones here. And right. so we have to share that work. And um, I think we, we do okay trying to share, but right. I know there are some folks who get a little bit more work than others. So, mm -hmm. But I'm always just grateful for the opportunities that I get to be a part of. In the spring, I did get to play um, with Western Piedmont Symphony in Hickory uh, for a Florence Price piece that was absolutely beautiful, The Oak. 
oh, okay. um, conducted by Matthew Troy. That was wonderful, wonderful piece of music and a, a really nice concert too to to play for. Right. Um, but just little just little things like that here and there that I can think to. And then of course Piedmont Wind Symphony was gearing up for our Road to Freedom concert uh, right before COVID kind of took us all out at the end of March, would, that would have been that next performance that we would have had. And that, of course, featured a lot of um, works that were geared or centered around African-American civil rights and things. So that concert didn't get to happen, unfortunately. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll just pair these two usual questions that, that I often ask together. What's a, horror, okay. what's a horror story that you have from theater? And then let's follow that up with what's a really fond memory? Horror story. I mean, anytime I drop a piccolo, oh my God, there was this one time, certain we were playing wizard and um, I don't know what I was doing. I think I was cleaning it or something. And I, I dropped my piccolo mm. and I literally felt my heart stop. Like, I think people think it's just a joke or whatever. And of course, you know, I, I don't have like a really expensive piccolo. It's, it's durable, right. but you don't want to drop them because any little, you know, any little thing can throw it completely out of adjustment and um and then it's just either not sealing or completely out of tune or it's just a wreck you know so Mm -hmm. um i think that's probably been the worst moment i can think of um sitting in the pit for wizard of oz in greensboro at uh carolina theater joking around with folks cleaning my cleaning my piccolo and it just hits the ground Mm. absolutely awful moment right um my fondest memory i have to say one of the most funny things that I can remember, it's also a mistake, but it was funny. I, uh, I was doing Into the Woods. We were doing Into the Woods uh, with Garrett Saki. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember if it was at the, I want to say it was at Greensboro Day School. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, we were playing this one tune and I just mis- misinterpreted the, the tempo <laughs> and played it cut time. <laughs> and, but for some reason, uh, Brian and I just completely, just completely fell out laughing. Right. And uh, <laughs> he just could not get it together after that. And was this during a I show like, or rehearsal? It was, uh, I think it was probably during the show. Probably oh, one of those nice. morning shows. <laughs> probably one of those morning shows. Um, I want to say it was a morning show because, you know, you get up so early and you're trying to get it all together. You can blame Um, that on the coffee, right? (laughs) But, oh, my goodness, that was probably one of the funniest things ever. And uh, and I just kept looking at Brian and Brian just kept laughing. And we were trying to pull it back together to jump back in there to finish that number. But, oh, man, I think it was a a wrap after that. But that was a pretty funny uh, moment. Right. Uh, then I can also say to I just really that music was beautiful. That was a really great show, um, very unusual modern show, and that was that was a great one to play. I also especially enjoyed doing Mary Poppins with High Point Theater, also a Garrett Saki show. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the I think that one was my favorite because of the special effects they were able to obtain. And then we had some really beautiful parts in that show as well for flute. Right. But that was really a great uh, show. And I and I always liked working with Garrett because he he's one of those music directors that finds those scores that have those really, really wonderful flute parts. Right. Um, and uh, and I always appreciate playing with him uh, mm-hmm. because of that. Right. 
where can people follow you or your projects if they'd like to know more about what you're doing? That's a good question. I just found out recently I was in Facebook jail on my uh, artist page. You know, we create our, you know, artist pages on Facebook. For some reason, mine was disabled, so I'm not really sure what's going on, but I've got to figure that out. But I am on social media. Okay. Uh, I am Tika Douthit on Facebook. I am Kappa Brat 2 on Instagram and Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've just recently started doing this TikTok thing, so we'll see how that goes. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't looked um, into that. Although apparently I have music on there because the distributor I used puts it there. So if you see lock in original score, just let me know. Let me know if you find it. I have. I, I'm not on TikTok, so I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an interesting little app. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then of course uh, on the school website, uh, Winston Salem State University school website, all my contact information is there as well. So okay, I am very easy to get a hold of. All right. Well, hopefully your your Facebook page will be out of jail soon. For... <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I didn't. I haven't put anything up there. Uh, I did put a, a. There are a few videos up there. I didn't know if I had some illegal content or what, but hmm. you know, I'm not sure what it is. I always try to put the little disclaimer on the videos that I do post, but I did have like a couple of orchestral excerpts up there that I didn't think they mattered. But hmm. I've, I've been trying to play it safe, so we'll see what that was all right. about. Okay. Uh, well, thank you. I know you. I know even in this time, you're very busy, especially with the online stuff. So thank you for taking the time to interview with me today. Absolutely. And that's it for episode 18. Uh, next week, I'm going to be talking to Kania Mills, and we're going to be talking about a lot of things, but especially we're going to be talking about clarinets. That'll be on episode 19, which comes out next Friday, September 25th. As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Life in the Pit Pod. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter and Facebook at David M. Lane Music. And as always, I want to give a special thanks to Mark Parolo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. All original music is composed and performed by David Lane. Please visit davidlanemusic.com slash podcast to find out more about it or to leave a message. And uh, also be sure to rate and review on the Apple Podcast app and share with your friends. Thank you for listening.